You are listening to the Chasing PRs podcast. Today, we talk about how to calculate your training paces based on your current fitness levels so you make the most out of your training and achieve your goals faster. Stay tuned. Hi, we are your hosts, Rochelle Weeks and Diego Alcubierre. And with over 20 years of combined experience in coaching and physiotherapy, we created this podcast to help everyday runners who want to make the most out of their training and achieve new personal records while managing work, family, and life outside running. Welcome. Hello, welcome to another episode of Chasing PRs. I am Diego. I'm Rochelle. And uh, we have a very... I, th- I think I say this all the time. We have a, we have a very interesting episode, right? We like <laughs> to think all our episodes are interesting. interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, running paces, how to calculate your running paces. I really like this episode because I think it's going to be a very actionable one. And if you learn something today, you can apply it tomorrow. It's not something that will take months to develop. Or So if you do the math, we're going to talk about it and... You can improve your run tomorrow, your long run, your easy run, your speed session, whatever you're going to do tomorrow, you can improve it. That's what I like. And it gives people some answers because I think people are often like, what should I be doing this run at pace-wise? And yeah. how fast should I do this? And it, it can be, you're on the run and you're confused, wondering if you're doing the right pace. So it'll give people some answers to questions. Yeah. And sometimes you, you also get different answers, right? Yes. Especially for the long run. It's, it's a place where we're going to spend more time today <laughs> talking yeah. about the long run. Uh, because you can find a lot of different answers, but we're going to try to simplify it and just bring everything together. Yeah. Uh, before we started, uh, we want to talk a little quickly about our Chio run. Um, what is this Chio run? Okay. Me and Rochelle have kids, you know, we already know it, and we've used Chio services to save our kids' lives. Yeah. So more than, I feel like more than the average family in Ottawa, we've both been there quite a bit between. Yeah. Our daughters. Yeah, my daughter spent like one time two weeks there. Yeah. Two, we lived in Chile for two weeks. Yeah. And uh, so we are super grateful for what they do. And we always want to support them. And that's the goal of the 10,000 round challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is to raise awareness about what the amazing job they do there. And also to raise funds to their neurology department. That curiously enough, it's the one that we both choose. Uh, so they can continue to help more kids. Uh, so why it's called the 10,000 kilometer challenge? Because we want to run 10,000 kilometers as a community. If you register, you're going to upload your, your everyday runs from during March. And as a community, just come together and it's going to be awesome to run. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, if you cross Canada from St. John's in Newfoundland to Vancouver Island, it's 8,000. Oh, so, so we're going to do more than more than crossing Canada run. That's great. Uh, and the other one is to uh, raise ten thousand dollars for you. So it's, I think it's really yeah. Uh, if we get a uh, few hundred people, it's not going to be that hard. So if you're listening to this and you want support, it's completely free to register, and uh, we will, we will probably have some interesting giveaways and stuff like that for people to register. Sure. Perfect. Uh, now let's talk. Oh, so and the website to register is chasingprs.run slash chio, C-H-E-O. Perfect. Perfect. Um, how was your running week? Last week was, what's the word to describe? Annoying. <laughs> annoying. annoying. <laughs> Last week was annoying. Well, it's the first time in a while that you don't say, dude. I know. And you, it had to come, right? Like I still, <laughs> it, it could be worse. So I just got all my runs in, but it was a recovery week. Okay. So I went, I did 65 kilometers instead of 75, 80. And my long run was 25 instead of like 30, 32. So it didn't come down that far, but it was not building. Did you um, feel the difference? Well, it was hard because, so this is why it was annoying. The, the weather sucked last week. So Tuesday, we had a weather statement warning saying that we were going to get a dump of snow in like an hour. And I brought my treadmill gear and my outdoor running gear to work because my lunch break was at one o'clock and I was running on my break. So I look out the window. It's a nice day. No precipitation whatsoever. I'm going outside. And it's a progression run. And 5K in, the sky just opened up. Like I couldn't, 
If anyone's ever seen, been to an Ikea, it's this big, massive blue and yellow Ikea sign. Yeah. I couldn't see the building or the sign to wow. figure out where the road to work was on the way back. So that, it, it was fine, but it was just bad footing, bad visibility. And then Thursday at the track, we both found that hard. I think everybody yeah. there found it hard because it had snowed and, and it, they plowed it, but then it snowed again. So it was just slippery and we're there trying to do 1600 meter repeats and there's no traction and then yesterday (laughs) we got this unexpected like five six maybe more centimeters of snow saturday night i didn't know that was coming i would have ran saturday if i knew no it didn't say i I remember i I always check the weather yeah and it's like mild like one two centimeters of snow at 10 or 7 in the morning okay it's gonna be good enough it said like flurries when i checked tons of flurries and i was like that's nothing but it was, it was a big dump. Of- yeah, I woke up, I had to clean off the car. And anyway, so we were, and so all morning I ran with our friends, Crystal and Stefan, and all morning we're expecting to find a plow and going down all the main roads in our area and none. So 25K in like soft snow, slush. It was just annoying. Well, it, yeah. The good thing, it was uh, down week for you. So it wasn't yeah. that many kilometers and it was like a mental endurance strength training yes it's character building because yeah. you never know what conditions you're going to have on race day so yeah, yeah it was just an annoying week for we me. usually want to have ideal conditions for training and we we don't want to feel sluggish or tired because mm-hmm. we want to hit the paces and the heart rates and everything but in, in, in during race it never happened um yeah it was the same for me a very interesting week uh my on tuesday i went to the treadmill i did that's smart. Yeah, it was. I, I'm not. I'm not risking this, or I'm. I'm really in the mood for this kind of weather. Yeah. Um, the on Thursday, uh, I had to cut my my intervals short. At the end, we had to do four four hundreds, and I only did two because my hands. I really started to feel my hamstring. Yeah. Uh, but I think the interesting part here is that at, on Friday morning, I woke, woke up with a very tight hamstrings, and instead of just ignoring it or to do nothing about it. I did very, I had a very proactive day towards releasing my hamstrings from being as ready as I could for my long runs. Uh, the first thing I did, I usually do my long runs on Saturdays and I change it to Sunday. Just have another another day of recovery. Um, I've talked about my mobility routines every morning and I did it also at night. My mobility routine. And I asked you, what can I do to, <laughs> to release my hamstring? And you suggested a hot bath. I did a hot bath with Epsom salts and also midday I did some Theragun and I drink, drank a lot of water and also I had an extra protein shake. Just so all the things I did just to be ready. And my point here is that you need to do that. If you want to get injured, you're going to get sore sometimes. The footing was terrible on Thursday and that's, I think it's 90% part of why my hamstrings were feeling so shitty. Definitely. But you need to do proactive things. It, it's not. It's not something you. It's gonna disappear by itself. It can, or it will, if you give it time. But if you want to keep training, you just don't. Oh, I'm gonna push through the pain and the tightness. It just okay. I want to do as much things I I can to to get better. The the tightness. I often tell people too. It's sometimes a little bit of a warning that an injury is coming. Yeah. Like it's basically saying what you did last night. This area of your body didn't like it maybe be careful doing it again at that. And and that could be the footing, the terrain, the the length of it, the speed of it, whatever. But then it also is good, like this morning, so tonight I have 5K really easy to do. Okay. And I was totally ready to move that if needed because we ran in so much sloppy snow and bad footing yesterday. So I woke up this morning and kind of did a little, how's my Achilles, how's my calf, how's my hamstring? Everything feels fine. But okay. if it didn't, I would just not do that run tonight. And yeah. it's okay to move runs or skip runs. Yeah, it's better to 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 make as proactive things toward that tightness that it's telling you something's mm-hmm. gonna come up than just ignoring it and just getting injured in a week. Yeah. And my long run, um I, I intended to to go out like at nine, nine thirty, but it was snowing, snowing and snowing. I, okay, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait. It was ten o'clock and I need to go out because I need to come back to the house to take my daughter to basketball practice. So I went out and I was lucky enough to find a four kilometer out and back, like L-shaped loop. So you just did that Five, how many times? Six times. Six times. 24K. Uh, Better to be bored and have good footing. 
than to do what I did. <laughs> uh, and I and I took it like a like a challenge, yeah. right? It, no one, I don't want, I don't like to do six times four kilometer loop, but it was like a mental challenge. It snowed all the time. Also, uh, I have, I found that as did here in Ottawa, if you stick to bus routes, they are the best plowed. Yeah, that makes sense. The city prioritizes bus. the public transportation. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't care. I run in on the streets and I just wave to people, <laughs> to cars like, hey, thank you. Go, go. Give me a little space. Uh, yeah, I have. It was it wasn't perfect footing, but it was good enough to have a decent land ride. Yeah, we were thirty seconds per kilometer slower than we normally are. Wow, it was. It was I, I was able to hit my and I was yeah. super happy at the end because it was it snowed all the time, pretty much all the time. Then it uh, the footing wasn't great, and I was wearing two jackets, mittens, uh, trail shoes heavy trail shoes, Gore-Tex, you know, and I, I was able to hit my paces. So I'm really looking forward to spring when we have clear roads and I can run in super shoes. It's going to feel fantastic. We're going to feel so fast. Yeah. All this slogging through gross terrain and snow is going to be worth it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think those are two interesting uh, stories about our week and you can learn from them. Uh, so let's get into paces. Mm -hmm. That's what we are talking about today. We're going to talk about... Uh, let me see. Five or six paces. I have it written down here. It's easy pace, long run pace, marathon pace, threshold or tempo run, and speed pace. That, those are the, the paces that you should be aiming to hit, not every week maybe, but every two weeks. Have a tempo run, have a speed run, have a long run, have a marathon pace run, have an easy run. Um, sometimes you, you don't, and it's okay. For example, right now, I know you and I are not doing marathon pace efforts mm -hmm. because it's not part of our program right now. Uh, uh, and speed, the speed paces can be a little faster, a little slower, a little longer. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, whatever you're doing, whatever training plan you're following right now, stick to it. Don't change it. But you can improve the pacing. And, it, and I think that's a very valuable, valuable lesson here. And it might mean you speed up and it might mean... Slow you down. go, whoops, I'm doing these too fast. Yeah. Uh, but at the end, I think your your training is going to improve because everything we're going to talk about right now, it's based on your current fitness, that it's super, super important. We're going to talk about it. And um, like scientific reason, right? What's ideal marathon pace? What's the ideal easy pace and stuff like that. So let's start with easy pace. What are the main benefits of doing easy pace in your opinion? I feel like the cardiovascular endurance is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Like just being able, the biggest thing in a marathon, like I need to be able to run for three and a half hours. Hopefully no longer than that. No. Three hours, three, 28. Three yeah, exactly. If I'm being exact, that's my goal. But I need that. It, it's a huge endurance sport. So I need to have the cardio. And even five Ks and the rest. It feels mm -hmm. fast, but it's endurance. Uh, but when we talk about cardiovascular endurance, I like to sometimes explain people what does that mean because okay, what am I doing? And I think it it goes to into two main categories: the capillarity of your vessels, so and your blood flow. So you get more blood to your muscles with oxygen and carbs, so they can convert that into energy. So the more you run and the, the at that easy pace, your muscles are and your blood flow it's going to be more efficient to deliver the oxygen and nutrients you need to run. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you start to run a little faster than that, you still do that, but not as efficiently as in an easy run. We're going to talk really fast, really quick about the easy run. Why? Because we have an episode like three, four weeks ago called Why Slow Running Can Make You a Faster Runner. And we talk about easy running like for an hour. Yeah, we dove right into this topic. Uh, yeah. So if you want to learn more about easy running, I will really recommend you to, to, check, that, to check that episode. But... There are three very easy ways to know if you are running easy run. The, the first one and the most common one is the tech test. Tech, the talk test. <laughs> test, death test or something. I didn't know what I say. Talk test. What's a talk test? So th this is a tricky one because it, it seems simple. Like you should just be able to talk while you're running. Yeah. But if I do a five-minute pace, which my easy pace is around like 540, I can still talk while I'm doing that pace, but it's not very easy. 
and I can't say long sentences. So like you need to be able to have a conversation without huffing and puffing and it's easy to speak. Yeah, and the, and the best way to do it is with a partner because I know runners overestimate what they can do. Yeah. Uh, we all do and we think we are talking perfectly normal, but 90% of the time you're not. And if you have a running partner, it's, dude, you are huffing. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Uh, the other one is to run in zone two with your Garmin watch or whatever heart rate monitor you use. Uh, this one's also a little tricky uh, because one, if it's a wrist-based heart rate, they're a little pinny. I figured mine out yesterday. Yeah. So remember I said I had a new max heart rate of 199 yeah. on an easy run of like 545? So yesterday before my run started, I cinched it on tight to my wrist under my glove. Okay. And it was normal. It was like 145 for 25K. Yeah. And the other thing is that the cold affect, affects it. You're going to work harder. Yes. Yeah. No, and if it affects it, I don't know, when it's colder, my, my heart rate goes crazy in my watch. And true, because I usually want to see my pace, so I don't have my watch under my mitten and under my jacket. It's, it's exposed to the elements. So if it's colder, it might be messing it up. Yeah. The other thing is that there are like three or four different ways to set up your heart rate in Garmin, at least, and in yeah. Apple Watch. So uh, I like the reserve heart rate one. We're gonna we're not we're not gonna talk about it right now because it's not part of the. But um, yeah, running zone two, rule the talk test, and the other one, important one or interesting one is to run two to three minutes per mile slower than your mile pace. So and wh what we talk about in, in the episode is like when. Two or three of these start to fall in the same range. It okay, I'm I'm doing it correctly because, if, for example, if you do the talk test and five minutes per kilometer, okay, I'm feeling good, and you look at your watch and you are in zone two, yeah, and that's two to three minutes slower than your mile pace, you are in the right spot. But, you cover all your bases instead of just having one of the three, and then you're questioning: is it actually slow enough? Exactly. Uh, so, but go listen to that episode. We go way deeper into these things and you can learn, you can learn there. Then we have long run pace. I'm going to leave long run pace to the end because it's the one that we're going to spend the most time. It's the most tricky one to, to nail. And it's the one that more people, most people obsess with and with justification because you run for two or three hours every, every weekend and you want to make the most out of it. And it's definitely, for the half and the full marathon, it's the most important run of the week. Uh, yes. It's more important than your speed work. It's more important than hill repeats. Like, it's, you have to nail that. If you don't get it right, your race isn't going to go well. Yeah, totally. So we're going to leave long run pace to the end. Yeah. Then we have marathon pace. Uh, marathon pace, what we are training during marathon pace efforts, it's effort. Marathon pace effort, effort. But it's effort. It's getting used to run that fast if you are running a marathon. And it's the only one that it's recommended that you do at your goal marathon pace. What I mean, all the other ones, the long run pace, the threshold pace, the speed pace we're going to talk about in a few seconds, are based on your current fitness levels. And I think that's super, super important to nail because I see people, okay, I'm going to do my th threshold pace, for example at my half marathon pace that I did a year ago mm -hmm. or four four months ago. It's not your current fitness. Like you're probably running or too fast or too slow. But marathon pace, the goal is to get used to what you want to run in your marathon. But, but it needs to be a realistic. Yes. It's super important. Because if you are used to running a five-hour marathon and somehow you say, I want to run a three-hour marathon and I'm going to do my marathon pace efforts at that, you're going to get injured or you're not going to be able to do it, and you're going to be, get disappointed. So it's your goal, but within reason. Yeah, a realistic goal. A realistic yeah. goal. The best way to do a realistic goal is with a six-minute test, but we're going to talk about the six-minute test in a second. Then we have threshold pace that a lot of coaches and people and in the media, you can also, uh, they're also called tempos. I think this one is one of the easiest ones to, to recommend. But what we're, what we're training during a threshold pace? So your half marathon pace, you're getting your lactic. Your, your lactic. Yeah, yes. lactate, lactic acid. Just the ability of your system. muscles to yeah. remove lactate from your muscles yeah. and uh, getting used to running with lactate in your, in your 
Yeah. And if anyone's not sure what that is, you probably, if you've done any speed work, you feel it. Like you're, you're just on fire. Your legs are burning and it is that acidity and it's and working on the threshold pace improves your body's ability to flush that out. And then you don't get that as quickly. And your threshold and or tempo pace is your half marathon pace. That, yeah. That's super easy. That one, I remember we had, uh, our coach gave us a tempo run effort and I, I ran the fastest I've ever done a half marathon in Boston in November. It was a 425 pace. I know I'm not there. Or when we did this in January, 100%, I wasn't there because you can't be at peak fitness all year round. So I think what you mentioned too is important. Like with marathon effort, it's the goal pace, but all the others, you have to think, what would I currently do a half marathon in? Yeah. And for me, when we did that workout, I think I did a 435 pace. Okay. Because I knew I was a bit 10, off 10 my seconds peak. slower. Yeah. And, and it was a guess. But I've been running for years, so I feel like it was an, a good guess. But we're gonna we're gonna teach you how not to guess it yeah. today. Yeah. Not you, because you're, you're <laughs> the listeners, right? Yeah, about. an educated guess yes. how to how to learn how to do that. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, half marathon pace. Your tempo runs, your threshold paces uh, at half marathon pace, super easy. And your speed race. The main benefit of doing a speed race is that you're developing your VO two max and your speed. And your running form and efficiency. Yeah. And you mean speed pace, right? Speed pace. Yes. Okay. I didn't say that. I'm you sorry. said speed race. Yeah. Which sorry. kind of makes sense too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Speed pace. Um, what speed should you run your speed sessions? It doing the six minute time test, time, time test, whatever you want. I've mentioned this test a few times already. So I'm going to explain what it is. And it's super easy. It's based on two different uh, ideas that I know of how, wh why a six-minute six test. The first one is uh, there's this brilliant researchers, researcher in France called Veronique Bilan. Bilan? You know I always trash names. Veronique Bilan, and she's obsessed with uh, this pace and this test. And it's because it's velocity at VO2 max. It's not a VO2 max, it's a velocity at VO2 max. On another interesting way of, of saying the velocity at VO2 max is the V dot O2 max. That is Jack Daniels, and we mm -hmm. talk about that book, and you got the certification, Jack Daniels. But it's the same, V dot or velocity at VO2 max is the same thing. And the concept of this is that it's the speed at where you start, you reach your VO2 max. Okay? So... The more you train at that pace, the more efficient you're going to become a runner and your VO2 max are going to improve. And this researcher, Veronique, found that the six-minute test pace is one of the best ways to know that velocity at VO2 max. So if you run as fast as you can for six minutes, in theory, that's your VO2 max. And if someone, so if someone wants to do this, like say someone's listening and they're like, hopefully someone's listening. I want to, but say they're listening and they're, the wheels are turning okay. and they're like, I want to do this. I'm going to do this this they're weekend. They're really listening. Yeah. How, how do they do it? Okay. Like, do they, do they warm up? Where do they do it? Should they go out as fast as they can and blow up in the last two minutes, which I know you're going to say no, but like, what are the practical explanations for people? Uh, one very important thing to mention is that you're going to be, get better at the test. The first time you do it, you're going to probably do it wrong, pacing-wise, but you're going to get better and better and better because you're going to start knowing yourself. It's like racing a 5K. Exactly. It doesn't go well in the first couple of tries, yeah, usually. You yeah. go way too fast or way too slow. Yeah. But it's super easy. You warm up for 10, 15 minutes. You rest for five minutes. So you, you really, your heart rate really goes down and you're not... So you, you, you don't run and just start the six-minute pace, the six-minute test right after. You run, warm up your muscles, rest for five minutes, and then go as fast as you can for six minutes. I always tell people, you need to really suffer, hmm. right? You really need to be feeling that you can run a step further, but you keep going and going and going and going for six minutes. Like you're looking for 100% max effort? For six minutes. All out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You, you need to learn to pace yourself because you start running at way faster. Two minutes in, you're going to blow out. But yeah. you're going to learn. 
even if you blow out and you start to run way slower than you start, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and uh, record that pace, right? I usually, what I do when I do this uh, test is I start a new activity in my Garmin. It's not just a lab time. You start mm -hmm. a new, a brand new activity just for the six-minute test. So you can have that. I, I, I tag them in my Garmin Connect so I, I, I can go and see. You can watch your progress. Exactly. Um, and then you just cool down. Yeah. And you pick, obviously, somewhere flat, good footing. Like, can people do it on a treadmill or should it be done outside? I think the main thing is to do it in the place you're going to be able to do it consistently. That makes so, sense. So you can it, compare. You can compare. Exactly. So uh, if you can only do it in a treadmill, do it on a treadmill. It's way harder to do it on a treadmill mm -hmm. because speeding up or slowing down is harder on a treadmill than outside. So yeah. if you feel good outside, you can speed up in instantly. And in a treadmill, you need, it, it breaks your running form just pushing the button to go faster yeah. and uh but but you can do it if it's the only way you're going to be able to do it today and in four months and in four months and in four months and in four months there was a study a few years back i remember coming out and it said on a fast effort like a speed session the same pace on the treadmill versus outside it'll feel harder on the treadmill but then an easy slow run same pace on the treadmill outside will feel easier on the treadmill on the treadmill Okay. So it's opposite. So it makes sense. That's another reason the six-minute test might be harder on the treadmill. It's, it's just going to feel harder. It's going to feel super hard. Yeah. And if you are super fast, maybe the treadmill you have doesn't go that fast. Do you know Do you know what I like about the six-minute test? I was thinking about this the other day. Because if you, like, I feel like we've both done 5Ks where we've gone all in. Like, we've pushed ourselves as hard as we can. Probably couldn't run much faster, if at all. Because we've been running so long and been doing endurance sports, we kind of know how to do that. But if someone uses the VDOT calculator, the app, and they just put in their 5K race and they've never done a six-minute test, but they're just kind of new to running or they did the race with friends and they didn't really push it, then they kind of get this wrong number for yeah. what they should be doing for an easy pace. Yeah. So I feel like when I, when I get people to use the VDOT calculator based on races, I'll say... What was that race like effort-wise, zero to 10? How hard did you push yourself in that race? And if they're like, oh, seven, I don't find it's... It's going to be help. accurate. Yeah, yeah. The, the time, the pacing you're going to get there is not going to be accurate. But then if you get them to do six minutes, yeah, like, okay, you, you don't want to push yourself for 5K, but how about six minutes? Yeah. And that, that, that's are really interesting. And two, two other things about that is, one, you can do it any day. Six minutes is not going to get yeah. you injured. It's not going to affect your weekly stress or whatever you just for example on a if you do your speed sessions on thursdays instead of doing uh six mile repeats one the first one do just six minute test mm -hmm. uh on an easy run if you're feeling great and the next day you don't have a long run or a speed session you can do the six minute test and it's gonna be fine uh and the other one is i i've i've made some of my athletes do the six minute testing on two or three consecutive days because when I see their Garmin, their heart rate is not that up. Okay. If you don't hit some four, some five during the six, six minute test, you're, you didn't go fast. You can tell. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, some three, come on. Or 150, 160, 160 bits per minute. You didn't push yourself as hard as you as you could. Let's do it tomorrow. And, and, and as I mentioned, uh, you get better. It's like, you practice the test and you get better at the test. Yeah, so that makes sense. The better you are, the better you get at the test, the the better your pacing and your your speed, your sessions are gonna are gonna be in the future. I think what I because I've never done this test before. Okay, but I think what I would try we just to need do, to wait to have good footing and we can do it. And then I want to do it definitely because yeah. if I'm telling people to do it, I want to be able to say when I did it, it felt like this. But I feel like what I would do is put in my 5k best into the VDOT calculator and see what it says I could do a mile in and what pace that would be. And then maybe I would go out at that, but then see if I could pick it up just, just for my first one. So I don't no, I think that's a, a like really interesting it. way to approach it because that's a, that's a, that's a perfect way to approach it because people are going to ask, okay, how fast can I go? Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned a, a great one. Yeah. And then if you finish it and you're like, I could have gone faster, then you do it again. Do it again. For example, I have here, you're not going to be able to see it, but I have my, my, speed test from 2020, 2021, and 2022. And you can see how they, they improve. For example, 
On July 2020, I did a six-minute test, and I did a 338 minutes per kilometer pace. Two months later, in September, I did 317. That's a huge jump. Wow. That, but I think the interesting part here is that my paces for my training changed a lot during that time. If I would stay at 338, my speed sessions in September will be way slower to my current fitness. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to be very persistent in that same current fitness. And for example, in 2022, last year, I did what in June and I did 319. And in September, I was at 307. So there, from three, 338 in 2020 to 307 in 2022, it's because of two things. One, I'm constantly training at those paces. I'm constantly adjusting my my speed sessions and my long run speeds to the current fitness I have right now. And the second one is that I, I'm, I'm getting better at the test. Yeah. It just, I'm, maybe I'm not getting faster, but I'm getting better at pacing myself during six You're months. not going out too hard or, or saving too, too much for the end. Yeah. Exactly. But I think it's a very important way to, if you adjust your paces all every month, every two months, you're going to be making the most out of your time, the training you're doing. So uh, record that time in miles per minutes per mile or minutes per kilometer and run that for your speed sessions. Okay. Um, so we talk about speed sessions, threshold or tempo runs, marathon pace, and easy runs. Let's go into the dreaded long run. At yeah. least for me, it's a dreaded long run. I like the long run, <laughs> but I know we're at, you love speed. I do like speed too, but I do, depending on the week. Okay. I didn't like it yesterday, but. <laughs> so the number one question. There are, there are two questions. How far I'm going to go in my long run? It's a question we're not answering today. But we're going to talk about paces. Yeah. The second one is how fast or how slow do I should, should I do my long run? Okay. There are a few different uh, ways of thinking. One is that I found that your long runs are a little faster than your easy run. And if you read the book, Run Like a Champion by Alan Culpepper that we mentioned in the book section, in the book episode, that he was an Olympic athlete, that he trained himself to go to two Olympics, one in 10K and one during a marathon. And right now, it's a head coach of NAS Elite, the Flagstaff team, elite team that yeah. trains there. Um, he, one of the main lessons I learned from that book was that like, your, most people do their long runs too easy or too slow. Why? Because they think that easy runs and long runs are the same. That long runs are, your, are, are just longer, easy runs. And no, the easy runs are for recovery, and long runs are long runs to get your body used to working harder, to uh, time on your feet, uh, all the benefits of, of doing a long run. So they're usually a little faster than your easy pace. Now, if you go out and research what's the ideal pace for a long run, you're going to have, you're going to find three main ways of doing it. One with your 5K pace, two with your 10K pace, and three with your marathon pace. What I like to do, and it's the exercise we're going to do right now, is to do all the math of this and see where the times intersect. Because you're going to get way different times. Because if you're a good 5K runner and you're a terrible marathon runner, Maybe your times for, for example, for a 5K can be faster. Mm -hmm. it, you, it could go the other way, right? I'm, I'm not a fast runner, but I'm a great marathon runner. I, I love to pace myself. So if you do the three of them, you start to, you're, we're going to get that, like a sweet spot number. And you take the average of the three, would you say? Or would you take like you're gonna, whatever one's the quickest? You, no, you're going you're gonna to see that we're going to find a very sweet spot. The sweet spot, okay. The other important thing is that it's your 5K, your 10K, or your marathon pace for your current fitness. Okay, it's not that. Oh, okay, my fastest 5K was 16 minutes five years ago. It doesn't matter right now. Or I did my marathon in October. It doesn't matter right now. How can you do know that? You do the six-minute test. You go to the V dot calculator. You just download that for free on the App Store on the Google Play Store, mm -hmm. and you put your six-minute your time and it's going to give you a prediction of the 5k 10k and marathon pace 
you can do that. I'm going to, I'm going to add in on our Facebook and Instagram, um, chasing PR's podcast, just the V dot calculator, like a link to it. So people, if they can't find it, they can just go on there and look. Perfect. Yeah. Cause yes. it, I find since I've downloaded, I use it all the time. Yeah. And, and have you felt that your training has improved? Yeah. And, and I've shown it to patients of mine where I'm like, I think you're Often I'm telling them they're doing their easy runs too fast. Okay. And then we'll plug in like a 5K race or a 10K race and see the training times. And they're usually a little bit quicker than the suggested okay. range in the people that I'm suspecting are going too fast. And the, I, I think it makes sense because they're injured. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why. It's seeing. usually why they're in with me. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes sense that they're running way faster. Yeah. Someone that is running their pace is not going to see you okay, that yeah. injured. Uh, okay, so you get that five. But if, if you ran a 5K last week, use that time, mm -hmm. right? If you ran a 10K two weeks ago or a marathon three weeks ago, you can use you can use that time. So, but now you have you have these times, right? Your 5K, your 10K, and your marathon. For your 5K, you need the the research say and a lot of articles say online that your easy run or your long run pay, sorry should be between 55% and 70, 75% slower than your 5K pace, 80 to 75% slower than your 10K pace, and between 10 and 20% slower than your marathon pace. Okay? So I'm going to give you an example. If you want to have a pen, you can do it. Um, I, I haven't done a six-minute test this winter because the footing is not great and I don't want to get injured. But I reckon that I can do it in 370. Okay, three minutes and 17 seconds per kilometer. That's going to be my pace for a six-minute test right now. So that translates into a 1747 5K, a 37-minute 10K, and a two-hour and 53 minutes mile. With those numbers, I go and calculate this this percentage. So for the 5K, it's between 55 and 75%. If I do the 55 to 75%, it says that I need to run between 446 per kilometer, my long runs, and 628. I hate that number, 628. I think it's way too slow. 446 and 628. That's a huge, that's a huge difference. And that's, I think okay. that's, that's where, people, if, if you Google right now, at least here in Canada, long run marathon pace, the first result that it's going to show up, show up is that one, between 55 mm. and 75%. And that's where that's people start... That's not helpful at all. No. To people have such start, a big variety. You go crazy, right? Yeah. That I'm running too slow, that I'm running too fast. But let's have those numbers in our minds. 446 and 628. Okay. okay. You want a pen? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then, 10K. 10K, it needs to be between 80 and 75% of your 10K pace. If I do the math, be taking into consideration my 317 pace of the six-minute pace, it's going to be between 429 and 456. It starts to get a little... Much more narrow. Narrow and close. And if you go and do the marathon pace, it's going to be between 433 and 507. So we have a lot of numbers here. Mm -hmm. Okay. To have some reference, my easy pace right now, with my current fitness, it's around 510. It's when I think I can run for days, I can talk, I'm in zone two. It's three minutes slower than my mile pace. So everything clicks. Everything fits into the in, and, and it fits into these windows. In 510. What mm -hmm. as I just mentioned, your long runs are usually a little faster. And if you do, you, if you see all of these numbers, the only one that goes outside of that 510 or slower than that 510, it's a 628 that I think it's way wrong. 55% mm -hmm. of your 5K, it's way too slow. But we start to get three very interesting numbers. 446 for the 5K. 433, if I take into consideration my marathon pace. And 456 for my 10K. Mm -hmm. So... If I read all these numbers, what's, what's the number do you think will be an ideal long run pace? Long run? 
probably just under five, like 455, 450. 450, yes. Yeah. That, that, that's the number I came up, 450. And that's the number I'm running my lungs. And you feel... Maybe not yesterday because the footing wasn't yeah. great. But the other thing is that in three or four weeks that the weather is, is better and my fitness is better, if, if, if there's a day that I go out and run a marathon, at, a long run at 4.30, I don't get scared, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are two numbers. For example, if, if I take into consideration 10 to 20% of marathon pace, it, it says 4.33. So it go, if I go in four weeks that I'm fitter, that I'm training better, and I run at 4.30, I don't get scared. And also the 10K says 4.29. So I think that's very important. There are going to days that your long runs are going to suck. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be days that your lungs are going to be amazing. But if you have a range written and you can see it every day, well, not every day, but every time you're going for a long run, okay, these are my ranges. You feel very confident. Okay, I'm 440, for example, today, or 450. Okay, that's the pace I have in me right now. And it's the one that falls into this research. For yeah, and you can talk and you look down on its zone two, heart rate is good, everything is kind of fitting in where it should be. Maybe sometimes, and I, and I found it when, when, when runners are not used to running zone two, their zone two is too slow. People get desperate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, no, I can't run in zone two because I'm running at 10 minutes per mile, 12 minutes per mile. When wait, I'm pretty much walking. For long runs, I, I discovered that it, you can go a little into zone three as long as you are recovered for your next session. So if I see my watch and I'm, okay, I'm, for example, my zone two ends at 146 beats per minute. If I run my longest at 150, 151, that it's zone three, I know I can recover for next time. Mm -hmm. So it's lo the lower part of zone three within those ranges that we just mentioned. And you're... so I hope Easy pace, just listen to the episode. I think it's the best way. Marathon pace, it's what you want to achieve within reason. <laughs> Threshold pace, half marathon pace for your current fitness. And speed sessions, the six-minute test pace. Six-minute test sounds like it. Unless you have a recent race under your belt, it's, it's important. A, yeah. It's, once the footing is good. <laughs> if, you, if you have a, an indoor track or something like that, or you live in Florida, you can right now yeah uh for us right now it's not peaceful we need another month at least uh, yeah and the long run it's the more comp the most complicated one but i i hope we did a, a good job explaining it and and trying to demystify this pace how 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 fast should it be and i think that the fun part or for me the interesting part at least is when i see a 5k uh relation and a tanking relation and a marathon relation for the pace and it falls into what I'm running right now, it feels awesome. It feels like I'm making the most out of my training right now. And you know that you've done the math right. Yes. Which That's is the whole point of the episode. <laughs> so um yeah, that's it. If you have any questions about it, you know we have the Facebook group, the podcast, the the Instagram or the website. We have a, a contact form there. Uh yeah, I don't think we can say anymore. Do you have any? No, I think you did a good job. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I feel like you took a very sciencey kind of overwhelming topic and, and simplified it in a good way. And you can always go compli complicated, and, but I think 90% of the time it's not worthy to complicate things. Uh, maybe if you want to qualify for something or are you aiming for to winning a race, you can... Compli not complicate, but make it more specific mm -hmm. and nailing specifically your basis for everything. But this will give uh, our everyday runners, that is the goal of the podcast, a good uh, starting plan. It, it, not even a starting plan. It's the one I, I use all the time and and I use with all my runners and I haven't changed it enough. enough. And I think if there's anyone out there who's just really keen to learn more the jack daniels book is probably the best option the best one to get yeah. that'll discuss everything you just went through yeah uh the only thing that i i didn't find in the in the jack daniels book is the long run pace 
true. Yeah. It, it mentions all the, all the, on the what, marathon pace threshold, speed session. Even, even in that book, the speed part, he broke it in, he breaks it into two parts, the interval and uh, repetitions. Yes. And repetitions are way faster. Uh, but I think with speed sessions at six minute pace, uh, you are, you are good to go. You're improving your VBO2 max or your velocity at VO2 max. And uh, you're going to see great improvements for sure. Cool. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. I want to do some math. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the runner of the week. Cameron Myers. He's a 16 year old. I love having that 16 year old. Athlete of the week. And from Australia because they have good footing right now. So they're yeah. doing all the lovely things down there. But what did this fast Australian do? He raced a mile, a very, very fast mile, 355. 355. He went the under four minutes. Fastest four minute mile or four minute mile. The fastest mile ever for a 16 year old or younger person. Yeah. Ever. And Jacob. In Ingebrigtsen, <laughs> I think is how you say his last name. Jacob in Ingebrigtsen, he's a big phenom now. He's 21, Olympic gold medalist. He's a world record holder, big deal. Um, he's faster than he was at that age. Yeah. By second, I think. Yeah, 356 with, with, uh, against 355. Um, yeah, that's crazy fast. I was reading actually the other day that if the four-minute mile should stop being like a big milestone so so many runners are breaking the four minute mile that i think it was an article that someone suggested maybe we need to go to the 350 mile because four that minutes doesn't roll off the tongue as nicely <laughs> but maybe yeah like too too many people or runners are breaking the, those four minutes uh so it's not a big deal anymore but it, it will be for me i wonder for if sure. they'll say that one day about the two-hour marathon like, well, years, years down the road, yeah. if it's like no big deal to go under two. Yeah, we need to go 155, something like that. But yeah, yeah. it it, hmm. it, it comes to a place where a four minute mile, it's not that fast in professional world, right? Yeah. For us, but for a 16 year old, it's crazy. That's, yeah, and, he's going to be a big deal. Yeah. If you, Jacob, in, in that guy, um, the, the, the cool thing is that he's the younger of three brothers. All of them are, Elite athletes and and runners, they're runners. runners as well. Yeah, and oh, okay. So they were like the big deal, the older ones, until the young one came and destroyed all their. He's learned from all their mistakes and yeah. just kicked all their butts. And I, I can't remember if two of the three of them paced Kipchoge during the sub two hour attempt in Berlin. That's really cool. It was Berlin. Oh, wow. When was the official the attempt? Berlin. Berlin? Yeah. Last year? Yeah. Yeah. He was in Berlin. Uh, he likes Berlin. I feel like that must be a no, no, not the, not the official one. The, the not unofficial. the official one. Oh, unofficial. I can't Austria. remember. Austria, I think. Austria, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the Ingebrigtsens or Ingebrigtsens brothers were part of the pacing group there. You can see them run. Yeah. Super fast. Uh, yeah. That's our athlete of the week, Cameron Myers. And chasing sprints, we both read this quote during the week. And if you follow the Boston Marathon social media, you read it. And it's from Eliud Kipchoge that said, if the stomach can take it in training, the stomach can take it in a race. Yeah. So in, in other words, you can train your gut to take carbs during run. Every long run I'm writing down how many gels I was able to eat. Like yesterday, it was 25K. I had four gels and two little bottles of Gatorade. Wow. And I was that's fine. That's a lot. So I'm going to see, like, that was only 25K. Okay. So then when I do 30, 32, can I get another gel in there? I'm just going to see, like, where's yeah, my stomach's limit? Yeah. Felt fine yesterday. That's and I'm going to figure that out in practice, not on race day. That's a very interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I maybe interesting to test is during a temporal or something like that, taking those gels faster. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So Crystal mentioned that yesterday. She was like, but how is your stomach going to handle when you're going, like, almost a minute quicker. Yeah. So we might actually do a 30K long run at goal marathon pace. Okay. And then that'll be my chance to try to that. see how my stomach handles. Yeah, because even, fast even open that. open the gel, opening the gels one minute faster, it's way more complicated. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, definitely. So I have, yeah, that'll but, be a good but, chance to practice But it's very interesting. That. Four gels and two bottles of Gatorade, that's a lot of carbs. And it's awesome that you're going to, you're being able to. Yeah. To and I feel that. good today. 
no issues. It probably helped with recovery too. Yeah. And what's the second chasing sprint? Courtney DeWalter. She's got to be mentioned today because she just did the Trans Grand Canaria. That's a mouthful of my race, right? I might have got that very wrong. Um, it was a 128-kilometer ultra. She was the first place female in 14 hours and 40 minutes and 39 seconds. It was a 6.53 pace with over 7,000 meters of elevation. I found that very interesting because usually the elevation is in feet. And yeah. if you see 7,000 feet, that's a lot, but it's 2,000 yeah. meters something. 7,000 meters of elevation? Yeah. That's and crazy. she was under a seven-minute per kilometer pace for it. And that's another one. It's not 653 per mile. Well, that's faster. 653 per kilometer. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy yeah. fast. And she won by two hours. The next female. Who's Canadian? Ja it's Jasmine or Jasmine? I, I might be messing up that first name. Jasmine, maybe? Louther? She was second. She's Canadian. Two, two hours months. back. Courtney's just... She's the... Kip Shoge of oh. the female ultra world. Well, really, she's won all out she, runs. I, she's beat men in I think ultra she's runs. Better if we compare Kip Shoge accomplishments versus her accomplishments, she's better in if you if you compare them to other runners. Yeah, I think you're right. She's way out of her league mm -hmm. there, and it's super funny because if you look at her, you never imagine that she's an ultra runner. I love, she wears basketball shorts, baggy t-shirts. I love her style. Yeah, you it's never so imagine cool. she's a, you, you, see, you, see, you see her at the start line and it's like, eh, I'm gonna beat her, <laughs> right? Yeah, anyone that doesn't know her, yeah, who's uh, like, obviously. they're living under rocks if they're in the race and they don't work, but. Um, yeah, it, she's crazy and I love seeing those crazy times and she was sixth overall, I think. She usually comes, she beats most of the men usually, yeah. sometimes all of them. All of them. Yeah. yeah she's, she became first overall for, for a female. It's crazy. Yeah. So there's your, your episode this week. Thanks uh, as always for listening. Uh, remember to be part of the 10,000 kilometer uh, challenge. It's going to be fun. It starts one day after this episode. No, one day before this episode's air or officially goes online. And uh, yeah, please support us. No, it's not supporting us. Support the hospital. Be part of an amazing experience. Uh, be part of an amazing achievement mm -hmm. of running 10,000 kilometers as a, as a group and raising $10,000. And um, see you next week. All the money is going to Chio, so. Yeah, 101%. And make sure you uh, you post on our social media if you do the six-minute test. Tell, oh. us, tell us how it goes. Yeah, that will be awesome. As soon as we we do ours, we're going to share the yeah. results. We will get some video footage. Hopefully yeah. no one's throwing up at the end. That will, be, that will show people how to, how to do it. It's 100%. <laughs> yeah. Cool. See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you love it, give it a share. Please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And visit chasingprs.run for all the latest episodes get our free newsletter and all the cool running stuff we have there. Thanks for joining.